Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 206 for Monday, August 15th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, or as some of you may know him, Empirical Trader Pixelriffs. Hello, sir. Hello, have been doing a lot of trading, also been doing a lot of dreaming and occasionally dreaming of being Prey. If you are interested in listening to us chat about The Sandman on Netflix or Prey, currently on Disney Plus and I believe Hulu, um, you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast, by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. We just had a rousing conversation about both of those, and uh, we tend to go a little long and rambly in The Render Distance, but it's always a good time talking about stuff outside of Minecraft so that we can concentrate on Minecraft for the main show and speaking of the show this is our chunk mail dispenser for the month of august we're going to be discussing a bunch of email ideas and bits and pieces that our listeners have sent in we've also got to a uh, a fun announcement coming up for the end of the month hopefully fingers crossed as long as there isn't any more construction on his new studio impulse sv from hermitcraft will be returning to the spawn chunks uh, he's been a guest on a previous episode and we're delighted to welcome him back for our august 29th show so not next week's show but the show after that right at the end of the month we should hopefully be having impulse rejoin us to talk about hermitcraft season nine and everything else he's been getting up to plus his new podcast so what have you been up to in minecraft over the last week my friend uh, so my latest episode on empires was a lot of collaborative stuff as you said i've been trading with a bunch of people i've definitely been getting some mileage out of being the one who trades frog lights they're in popular demand um and the farm that i put together i put together like three or four weeks ago now so i literally just have to go and stand at it and get a few more blocks every time people need them um but that's been good because Behind the scenes, I have been working on this big build that I haven't really been able to talk about until it appears in someone's videos. But uh, stay tuned if you're an Empire's Watcher. Stay tuned to Joey Graceffa's series, and you might catch what I've been working on sometime. Maybe this week, depending on how soon he's able to edit stuff. But uh, he's, he's done what we wanted him to do, and it's gone very, very well from what I can understand. In the meantime, though, I have not been idle at my own base. I have built an angelic kind of statue for the entrance to my catacombs build and uh, this is only a minor spoiler it hasn't popped up in one of my youtube videos yet but i did build the entire thing live on twitch and i'm really happy with how this came together i had a couple of different reference images in mind uh, it's a statue of a woman with one large black wing and on the other side where another wing would be there's a kind of more art deco halo kind of thing maybe a halo maybe a sunrise uh just a kind of like quarter thing almost looks a bit like a sextant like one of those kind of nautical instruments um and the one wing is very dark it's deep slate and mud basalt accents and a bit of glow lichen on there and the other is um kind of like a gradient of gold blocks through like raw gold blocks and gold ore into stone as though the whole thing has been built out of stone and it's maybe been painted over with gold paint or gold leaf and it's peeled off over time. Because my base is all supposed to be a ruin and while this statue is largely complete and has stood the test of time, I like to imagine the materials eroding slightly. And by the same note, I kind of did the same thing with the face and the arms where I figured... At the scale I'm working with in Minecraft, actually designing facial features into a statue on this scale is going to look exaggerated and cartoonish, and is not really going to show up the way I want it to. So I figured, much like a lot of statues around the world in ancient sites, 
a lot of the features could have been eroded whether by you know just time and wind and rain and that kind of stuff or by you know somebody coming along and chopping the front of it off maybe i don't know um but the the face is largely flat the arms are mostly featureless one of them is holding a sword um, but it's a combination of granite, dripstone, and light grey terracotta, just kind of giving a blank face instead of there being any kind of recognisable facial features to it. Um, but I'm really happy with the way it came together, and it's now basically standing on the pedestal which props up the uh, the catacombs area of my base, which is my storage system. So I get to uh, run underneath this thing every time I go down to collect some more, uh, you know, cobblestone or wood or whatever. Dude, this is fantastic. Thank like, you. I'm I'm mad I didn't think of this first. <laughs> <laughs> the wing is so cool. The black wing with the mud. Like I just I really admire your ability to grab things like mud and then make them look like stone feathers. You know, like I just I would not have thought to put mud into a uh gradient with deep slate and uh, um, basalt in that particular way like it just it really really works and it's it's like the perfect scale for you to have like what is it like three or four layers of depth in the wing three or yeah. four layers of depth in the front Her, the the dress looks fantastic too with like the decorated collar kind of like it it looks reminds me of the uh roman or greek kind of like uh busts or or statues that you would see laid into i'm forgetting all of my art history terms here but like laid into the uh, the plinth or laid into the mosaic across the top of a build where you'd have mm. like everybody would have like those Roman robes, Greek robes and stuff. Yeah. It yeah, looks, it, yeah, it feels like it feels like draped material, yeah. but like draped material carved in stone, obviously. Yeah, I, I had a couple of reference images I was working from for the, the figure and then for the wing. The wing I actually took from, uh, did you ever see Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, the other yep. oh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro movie? Uh, so his Angel of Death appears at one point, like Hellboy's specific Angel of Death. And the wings that thing has are these really kind of interesting bone structure, kind of like curved wings. And because it's a Guillermo del Toro movie, like it's all done practically, the wings are like puppeteered. So you get to see all of the points of articulation in them without them just being kind of like a, a CGI wraparound kind of thing. And so I was able to take a couple of screenshots I found just through Google image search of that and try to build that as best I could. In uh, I, I did the, the entire thing in creative first. And then once again, I have to do a major hat tip to Lightmatica for giving me the ability to build something like this in a relatively short space of time instead of just freestyling the build in survival or going from screenshots from a creative build. Um, so I was really happy with how that was able to come together. I also kind of got to save the reveal for the end of my stream because for the most part I was building this looking down at where I needed to place the blocks and just building it layer by layer. So while people could get that it was a statue and I think people figured out that the, the black shape that I was building was a wing, it was kind of not until the end of the stream where I flew off to a distant tree, turned back around and looked at it that everybody saw the full effect and I was really like happy that that kind of came out that way uh so hopefully it'll be similar in the time lapse and people won't see the full image until i get to pull back and show everybody the bigger picture oh it looks really really cool i um i i recently did a build in uh granite and deep slate and other ores and, and our other blocks and i completely forgot about light gray terracotta mm-hmm 
Yeah, it's it, it's yeah. it's an interesting tone. It's like it's 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 a different um like uh if you're if you're blending it with stuff, granite isn't necessarily the first thing that springs to mind. But I wanted like a flesh tone that wasn't just white terracotta, and mm-hmm. it fit really well with the the dripstone and everything as just like areas where this rocky surface has been worn smooth. You know, I think it it kind of worked out pretty well that way. And I like it, it. At first, I thought it was diamond blocks, but it's copper. It looks like in the yeah, uh, the yeah, hilt no, of the sword. The uh, screenshot I've left uh, in in our live chat here, which will maybe go in the show notes as well, is um, is taken with shaders. That this is uh, complementary shaders, I believe, and they have a little bit of that path based ray tracing stuff going on. So the the gold blocks and the copper blocks, because they're metallic, they catch the light as the sun sets in the the west, and the statue is facing west. So there's <laughs> there's a little bit of Tolkien stuff in there if you want to read that much into it. But also, yeah, the um, the gold blocks really shine and the copper kind of glows. So it does kind of give the impression of being diamond. And the one thing, the one bit of feedback I got from people was that in it's without shaders, it's a, maybe a little bit hard to see the line of the sword against the stone of the dress because mm, I wanted I it to be that. a, I want it to be a stone statue and a lot of the granite and stuff was really a compromise for, well, if I make this area out of a different type of stone material i'm not sure how well that's going to come across so i wanted some areas of it to have color at least but then yeah the sword and the dress are made out of the same material there's a bit of andesite decorating each just to give a bit more shape to things but overall i'm pretty happy with it there's a little bit of mud underneath the line of the sword to kind of give it the impression of a shadow when you're looking at it without shaders but i think with shaders it really stands out because there's a, bo- a lot more depth is visible with the natural shadows in there Oh, for sure. I mean, the the level of immersion you get from shaders in Minecraft is obviously just, it, it really kind of, I, I'd be careful not to play with them too long because when I go back to playing normally, because I can't stream with shaders because my computer can't handle it. And I, because I, I get very, not disappointed, but like I, I miss the shaders uh, because it makes your builds look so nice with like mm-hmm. real shadows and all that kind of stuff. And it, I guess I've seen some tricks where people use like gradients underneath things to kind of make it look like light is hitting from a specific angle. Yeah. Um, but that depends on like what depth you have available and, and whether or not you can find a gradient in the material you want. Like I find that finding a gradient in that level of stone, like it's tough because you go straight to something like tough or basalt or whatever and it might get too dark too quick and then it just looks like you've put wrong blocks in the wrong place rather than creating a shadow yeah so yeah i like overall i'm i'm really happy with the effect i was able to get here and i am I'm not so happy with the back half of it, which is complete, but because the statue has grey hair as well, it kind of looks like it's all kind of one shape from the back. So I'm probably going to try and build a few taller buildings behind it and have maybe like walls and stuff as well. So you're less inclined to look at it from the back or some of the elements of the back have other elements to give it more context because <laughs> right now this is the the largest thing i've built in this area and it kind of sticks out because there's no other buildings around it but hopefully over time i'm going to build this up into a much more developed area something you could do with the back with the hair um is maybe wrap like bands around it like not mm. to tighten it up into a ponytail but like just kind of contain it and if you have those horizontal bands on the hair but not on the dress it might separate the hair from the dress a little bit yeah yeah maybe could do that the, the hair is kind of like sweeping to one side a little bit as well uh, as if okay. to kind of imply that it's being blown in the wind but right. yeah like we, we'll we'll see what i'm able to come up with and again like i i want to do a lot more building around this area so 
hopefully in time it'll just feel like part of the landscape you know i'm looking forward to it man uh, before we move on uh, did you plan to have this face west or that just happens to be where the catacombs were facing it, it was where the catacombs were facing really okay. but like I, I love the fact there's also a great effect when again with shaders on but the sun rising in the east rises kind of behind the ridge of the hill and mm -hmm. that kind of lights it from the back with some some rays from the sun and so there's there's some really really nice effects i can get when i have shaders on in this scene um but yeah ho hopefully i'll be able to plan things a little bit more that way and and uh maybe maybe try and incorporate some elements of like the position of the sun and everything into future builds because that that kind of stuff i don't really think about all of the time because when i'm playing without shaders is never really a concern but sometimes it just really helps to highlight some of this stuff i've got to build my my um bakery in west hill faces south which in the real world would have a lot of sun facing it but mm -hmm. in or at least in our hemisphere but in uh, in minecraft it's very hard to get a good screenshot because the sun is never hitting the face of it. it's always yeah. coming across it so yeah. i find that depending on what you're doing especially with statues like it's worth considering facing it either east or west uh because you'll, you'll if you're looking for screenshots or if you're looking for a specific feel uh, I find that uh, it's it's hard if you've got them facing north or south because of the way that Minecraft sun goes directly across the east-west mm -hmm. sort yeah. of arc in the sky. Yeah, shout out to any shader creators who give a an alternate weather angle uh, as mm -hmm. part of the shaders because there are some way you can adjust where the sun actually comes from and it's it's very, very helpful for uh, for stuff like that, for time lapses especially. For me this week, I've been spending some time uh, adding color to West Hill. Uh, the flower shop that I finished last week needed a back garden. So I took a page from the book of the very colorful Cosmic Dancer on the server who does a lot of work with coral and, um, you know, uh, waterlogged blocks. And I added a coral bit to the garden out back. Uh, and I've got a custom tree with like weeping willow type uh, mangrove leaves, which is was on my list of things to try. Uh, I went all the way to our 118 area to get a um, spore blossom and then turn around and come back because <laughs> that's mm -hmm. all I needed. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just didn't I just didn't happen to have any. Uh, but again, with the fast travel in the server, it was worth the 10 minute trip just to go get it. I don't even know if it took 10 minutes. Um, but it's hard to get a screenshot of it, but the effect of the particles everywhere in the back garden is really cool. It's kind of helped me push the medieval feel of the town into like a medieval fantasy here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it was a lot of fun to add things like that uh, to hide sea pickles underneath uh, lily pads to try and have things be lit. It's not a very... Um, well sunlit part of the the area because it's got such high buildings on all sides of it it's fairly dark it does get sunbeams from time to time but like you you kind of have to wait for the right time of day to take the screenshot you know in terms of what you want for the effect yeah. uh, i was able to work in some blue coral some bubble coral which is fun next to corn flowers it kind of looks like another plant which is nice uh, I saw this trick from somebody online. I'm not sure who it was, probably Mythical Sausage or someone, but using a warped trapdoor under a, I think it's a brain coral fan, looks like the bloom on a lily pad. Oh, uh huh. Which yeah. Which is really cool. Uh, I mean, the warped is not quite the right color, but you cover enough of it with the fan that it really only looks like kind of like a funny turquoise leaf. Yeah, uh, you can sort of imagine that it's casting a bit of a shadow so you're not seeing like the full color of the lily pad or something like that. Yeah. You can, you, your eye kind of adjusts to it. 
And uh, it's not the best in the dark and nighttime, but one thing I really enjoyed, I couldn't really get a good screenshot, but uh, being able to walk around in it and using glow lichen in places where you can't see the glow lichen, like the tops of blocks mm -hmm. to light up the underside of the tree, light up the spore blossom a little bit, light up the wall behind the um, the flowers in the back. Because sometimes with... with um, glow lichen and andesite you can barely tell that it's there but it lights things up enough to be spawn proof and it lights things up enough where all of the hard work that you've gone into uh putting into a, a, a little garden like this doesn't disappear the moment the sun starts to get you know dark yeah. uh, and and it's nice because because it is a shady build uh you can see a lot of the work that i did which is which is fun it, it took a while surprisingly because of how small the build is but i think a lot of that was just because of trial and error you know having to try different blocks move things around you're kind of constantly noodling things here and there to get it just right um but uh, the tree took a long time too actually um but uh it, what i like so much about the mangrove leaves is unlike azalea they change their color hue depending on what biome they're in yeah so you can blend them very well with spruce leaves so at the top of the tree is spruce leaves, but the bottom of the tree is that weepy downward facing texture of the mangrove leaves. And mm -hmm. it seemed, they seem to blend together pretty well from the ground. So uh, it worked out well in that way. Are you are you finding mangrove leaves really useful as like a vertical leaf texture? Because it's really mm -hmm. the first time we have something like that. And I'm I'm personally loving the fact that we get something that looks a little bit more like it's affected by gravity, you know? Yep, either going up or going down. You know, like you can have it be crawling up the side of a of a of a build. Like I've got a vine from one of the other angles there. You can see a vine going up the stone tower next to yeah. everything, and that has been really effective. Uh, I also find that it's really good for even just single row bushes along the ground because in the other builds I was working on, uh, we're now into the taiga forest section of West Hill, and uh, the space behind the flower shop needed a build. And it was one of these kismet situations where in two streams flat, it went from nothing but a couple of trees and some empty grass to a full tower with a house next to it. And everything from like a wood chopping pile, chimney, decorative plants hanging out the front. I've got uh, mangrove bushes on the ground because mangrove bushes look different than spruce trees. And if you put spruce leaves on the ground, it just looks like spruce leaves on the ground rather than a bush. Mm -hmm. And so by having a different color bush down there, that's not just your generic Minecraft, you know, oak bush. Um, I've Because uh, I don't find that they are dense enough for me. I find you can see through the oak bushes really easily. Uh, whereas with the mangrove, it's a denser texture, so it covers more. And uh, combined with berry bushes and stuff, uh, the, um, the build came together really quickly. And this is where I was using, uh, it's hard to see in these screenshots, but I was using copper. So what was it? It was... Um, exposed copper polished granite and granite with a little bit of dripstone and rooted dirt which was a suggestion from the chat and rooted dirt works really well with copper and um granite as kind of like an in-between block like for the pink kind of color that you yeah. get in there yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 for the pink for the pink roof and and it, it it works really well because of the we'll call it the noisiness of the granite uh the the rooted dirt works well with that uh and the weathered copper uh or sorry exposed copper has some kind of pixelation to it as well so it, it all kind of worked 
well together. I would have liked to maybe have attempted it on a slightly larger roof, but I really didn't have a lot of space. And I'm always conscious about sight lines and I didn't want to block too much of the, the towers around it. Uh, I didn't want it to feel too, too big. Um, because you stand next to it on the street, it feels quite tall. The, um, the roof of the tower goes up quite a few blocks. And uh, we ended up with some happy accidents. There's um, <laughs> everything inside is decorated pink. Like there's a pink bed, there's pink armor because it just kind of matched with the roof being exposed inside as the walls yeah. of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of went uh, double down on the pink. Uh, and then the balcony eventually became a wraparound balcony on the tower, which I wasn't planning, but I just had trouble figuring out how to continue the pattern of the tower when it touched the roof. And I thought, you know, if I just change this to wood, not only would it make a wraparound balcony, but it would change the entrance to the bedroom to being completely wood as opposed to half wood and half granite. Mm-hmm. So it, it all worked out in the end, which was which was really, really fun. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, and I forgive the number of screenshots I'm sharing with the live audience, but I I feel like it's worth mentioning that sometimes you just have to go around your world and putter. Mm-hmm. And I was just walking around the town, adjusting the heights of the tower uh, that's in the west it's like the tallest thing going in west hill uh, you're going to see it from a lot of different places uh, and it for me was too low it was conflicting with the mountain behind it and so i wanted to make sure that the division of the top part of the tower was very clearly poking through and not having any kind of tangent with your view of the mountain behind it because i'd rather adjust the tower than try to adjust the mountain and uh it it took a while but it was fun to kind of not have to be focused on just one thing for the whole stream so like we worked on the tower we worked on the roof of the build next to it i did a rough layout in cobblestone of like how i want this giant structure of whoever lives there is super rich you know it it, it it's gonna get beefier and it's gonna get more complicated but right now i wanted to just kind of like get the scale and the layout down and see how it fit in see if i had room for any other houses around it which i'm not sure i do um and then um while i was doing that i was also popping into the main gate tower and these are not it's not a a really complicated thing to talk about i'm just putting in like those wooden staircases being able to walk to the next level this was empty and just full of scaffolding so like i needed to kind of fill it in and make it feel a bit more robust and for me it's it's just that challenge of having your builds feel logical when you go inside of them when you get to the top of that staircase are you coming up to a good view are you coming out to a tactical view like if you're going up into a tower where you shoot arrows from are you facing the town when you arrive at the top of the stairs or are you facing the outside of the wall which makes way more sense right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i just wanted to make sure i reverse engineered all the staircases uh, they're not done they're just it's everything just kind of thrown in there quick but i thought you know like so m- much of the time we see these finished screenshots or finished you know builds and it's worth you know sharing with everybody like the the wireframe process the three hour stream that i did basically just noodling around inside of things making sure that they worked right to the way that my brain wanted them to work and um i feel now that i've got that stuff done uh when i have that creative mood to go and work on this big build i'm not gonna have to backpedal and go like oh wait i can't just go in here and start choosing blocks and being creative and fun i have to figure out how it lays into the land and i have to figure out how it's going to actually work now i've got a rough idea i don't have to like turn off the creative and turn on the practical i can just go in there straight creatively and and work on the roof or the insides and all that kind of stuff when when i get the the feeling so it's uh it's really starting to make the west side of west hill feel very tall and spiky and i may have to revisit other areas to try to balance it out (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, and once again, one of my favorite things about watching this project come together over the last, what, like 18 months or so you've been working on this now yeah, is... Coming up on two years in December. Is the minimap overhead screenshots of it because it really starts to look like a medieval town from like one of those older kind of not quite sim city kind of games but like with the the pixel art style that it gets when you're looking at it from the top down and everything you can just see the spread of all of these houses and how organic everything feels and natural like it's it's so fun to have seen this back when you were just planning out the roads and just figuring out which areas were which and putting the walls in and now it's kind of yeah flourished into this much more thriving looking area Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And I think it's a, it's a good tip for people we've mentioned a number of times on the show, which is don't just clear cut and flatten everything. Like if you use the land that Minecraft gives you, especially now that you've got 118 terrain, because this isn't built on 118 terrain, but you've got such cool landscapes to be able to build into and your everything feels more organic and more like those towns that you see in movies, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. I find that if you follow the land and think like, well, this is the low lying land and there's not a lot of trees right here. This is the natural spot for a road. And it, it saves you trying to plan things from absolute scratch. And it feels like it makes more sense in the long run on, on mm -hmm. these builds, which is, yeah. which is cool. Definitely. Like the, the back half of my catacombs, like pedestal that the statue is standing on, the bit that's really the entrance mm -hmm. to my storage system, that like effectively you know pushes back into the hill and nice. so the back half of it hasn't really been built the same way the other three sides have and the cool part about that is because this area has history to it and the land has changed a whole bunch and nobody's really been around to like dig this stuff out my way of looking at it is that the hill has effectively like slipped over time and nice. that some of the dirt from the hill is effectively covering up the back half of this thing. So you can kind of work with the terrain in that sense where the terrain is effectively taking back over from some of that stuff. And if you don't if you don't Im imagine that people were around to maintain a lot of that stuff and dig ditches and make sure that everything kind of got stuck there. I think even in some parts of the world, they plant trees to make sure that the soil is held together properly and that you don't get mudslides and stuff like that. And so... Yep. If you, if you imagine there aren't people around doing that and stuff decays over time, then you end up being able to use the natural terrain to your advantage in a lot of different ways. I'm feeling pretty comfortable with things like medieval roofs and towers, but I'm glad you mentioned trees because I need to brush up on custom trees because very mm -hmm. often I want to do that. I want to create like tree roots or have a tree look like it's been left there on purpose because it's holding back the wall or holding up the soil or something. And I find that my custom trees look not great. So yeah. I mean, I need to brush up on on that. I'm not sure where the best resources are for that. You and me both. Like, I, I really want to just do a Google image search or like get out an um, encyclopedia or just like a decent photo reference of a ton of different real life trees, because they're the ones that we're probably going to understand best how to reproduce and then see as like real looking trees compared to the kind of stuff that generates naturally in minecraft so i'm i'm kind of tempted to just go like to spend a week or something just doing like a tree study and then come back with a bunch of different again schematics that i can import in with like matica or you know stuff that i can rebuild from screenshots even just to create a lot more variety in trees because i look out my window here and i can see like five or six different types of trees from my office window uh so i think there's there's a lot to be learned there 
Moving on to the news this week, there is not a lot going on, but I did notice something that I thought was worth sharing. There is a new dev diary up on the YouTube Minecraft channel uh, that is called Minecraft 119 The Deep Dark. It was released on August 12th, 2022. Uh, the caption or description reads, Welcome to the Deep Dark Dive, courtesy of Marco, I think it's Poya, and uh, Nembon. Uh, join them as they examine all the horrors and wonders as they were added to this biome in Minecraft 119. Shining a light on skulk blocks, ancient cities, and even the warden will not only give you new insights, but a lot of helpful tips too. And if you're going down there, you're going to need all the help you can get. And the reason why I brought this up is, granted, it's not really news. Most of what they tell you in the video has been known to most avid players for a couple of months now, mm -hmm. especially if you were taking part in the snapshots or watching any other creator on YouTube that was following the snapshots and, and showing you what was going on. I added it to the notes because I thought it was an odd timing for the release of this video. It feels like it should have come out the week that Minecraft 119 was released. Mm -hmm. And or so the week before, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I just I've, it's a strange it's a strange way to kind of it's almost like it's like a PR video for like we spent all this time on the deep dark. And, and isn't it cool? And then players are like, yeah, and we're reaching a point in the community. We just talked about this last week where people are not even really talking about 119 anymore. They're speculating on 120. Yeah. And yeah. so my question is a little bit devil's advocate. Do we think there are a lot of players that are either not bothering to go to the deep dark because either one that it doesn't interest them or two fear of the experience uh reminding ourselves that a lot of minecraft players are younger and that the deep dark and the uh, ancient cities are a very spooky scary experience depending on what type of game you're you're playing with you know if it's hardcore or or, or whatever um the video to me felt a little bit like damage control but i could be just steeped in minecraft and it feels obvious and unnecessary because we do a podcast on minecraft and i'm not the average player so what what do you think do you think that it's it's an odd timing for the video yeah i i kind of expect there is still a mix of people out there who either are disinterested because the loot isn't good and there's all of that kind of discourse leading up to the deep dark actually being implemented or they're put off by the horror aspects um yeah like it, it is kind of a scary place we definitely had a lot of people when the warden was announced saying well i'm not going to go mining anymore if that thing's down there and i i see that as a thing um, in my case, I run into the deep dark a lot when I'm out mining, and, and I do a lot of mining under mountains because I get emerald ore from there, and so like I, I end up running into the deep dark basically every time I make a strip mine now. So I can't really avoid it, <laughs> but there are certainly some people who are you know play Minecraft in longer term worlds potentially and have more of a kind of homey vibe to their their world that they they like their peace and they don't want that disturbed by going out and finding the deep dark plus. I think the reasons for going to the deep dark are still relatively few, not just loot wise, but if you're not interested in interacting with the skulk side of stuff, then there aren't any other unique resources there beyond echo shards, which we've talked about ad nauseum on the show. And like, there's a couple of other bits and pieces, swift sneak, maybe, but I think the average player doesn't have much of a reason to go there beyond that though. I think probably the bigger issue you talked about, you know, the broader player base, the broader player base is on bedrock edition. And, you know, nine-tenths of the player base, from what I understand, plays on, you know, either mobile console or Windows 10 Bedrock Edition. And mobs still freely spawn in the Deep Dark biome on Bedrock Edition. They haven't fixed that issue yet, where, unlike the Java Edition, where it's just you and potentially the Warden if you spawn it, the biome is teeming with mobs. But you can't really do anything to fight them, because if the player triggers anything that 
makes a noise, that's what trips Skulk Shriekers to start summoning the Warden. So nine-tenths of the player base still has a much more dangerous experience of the Deep Dark than even they let on in this video. So I feel like the video was even pitched at Java players in a sense, because Bedrock players don't have that uniformity of experience right now. Oh, 100%. Like, Nembon mentioned in the video, we wanted to make this silent and scary, so no mob spawn here. Like, it's a, it's a line from the video, and I didn't realize that that wasn't a thing that was fixed in Bedrock. Yeah, like on release, definitely. It may be that they, they've got a few more um, like dot releases for Bedrock 119 coming mm -hmm. soon, and they have been working to fix a lot of other issues with Bedrock editions, so fingers crossed, if it's not fixed yet, then it will be coming soon. But maybe, yeah, that's part of the timing of this video. Maybe if they've actually fixed the Deep Dark mob spawning issue or an, a forthcoming fix will resolve it, maybe they need to remind that <laughs> that contingent of the Minecraft audience that, hey, this stuff is actually here and you can go and explore it if you want to. Like, don't swear yourself off it for life because yeah. it is going to change. Cause, and I feel too that, I mean, I'm falling into that camp where like I just haven't been that interested in going to the Deep Dark or an ancient city, mm. not because I don't think they're cool, but because I'm in the middle of a very large project and anything that yeah. I do kind of feels like a deviation from that. So unless I need a break, I'm probably not going to go seek this out. Uh, however, I found it interesting that Nembon mentioned like, hey, if you find it that scary, then just take a night vision potion, which is something that we've been championing against, <laughs> you know, on the show <laughs> for a while. Yeah, and yeah. If, and, and absent from the video, probably because he's still on a break or vacation, was King B-Dogs. You know, yeah. one of the key people in designing the Deep Dark and the Warden. And I kind of feel like some of the things that they mentioned of like, it's it's not that scary. And if you just do this, then it should be fine. Kind of undermines the original message of like, this is a scary place. This is supposed to be terrifying. We're putting a lot of work into designing this to be chilling and an, an interesting experience in Minecraft. And at the end of the video, it's kind of like, nah, it's not that bad. It's yeah, like, yeah. They, which they were is like, it? like, you know, yeah, if if you if you don't bother the warden, he's not going to bother you, kind of thing. Yeah, and I I think maybe they maybe underestimated how well they were selling the horror aspect of it, and maybe they need to do, yeah, like you said, a little bit of damage control here of saying, you know this is still something you can do. Like, it's not something that should be avoided at all costs. Yes, we want you to avoid the warden. We don't want you to avoid the entire experience. And I think that, you know, not to lay all the all the blame at the feet of this video, there are lots of other videos like, you know, Il Mango doing warden farms and like cramming a bunch of wardens into single spaces and stuff like that, that really remove any kind of like fear or... Um, uh, it pulls back the curtain, you know, and it, yeah. and it, it, it reduces the mystery and the mystique and the uh, immersion that happens when you've already seen another video of like, well, this is just some mob that comes out of the ground and, you know, like it, it can remove you from that experience. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that this is like, you know, ruining or everything. I just thought it felt like odd timing to me. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun though. I think it's cool to see them talk a little bit more about this stuff. It was cool to see some people that we hadn't seen on previous dev diaries, Nembon especially, like yes, have it, him 100%. having been a voice of the community for a little while. It's like it's it's fun to put a face to the name, I suppose. But uh, I, I forgot what he looked like. I seen yeah. him at a at a Minecon live back when it was called Minecon, and <laughs> I was listening to him talk. I was just like, this guy sounds really familiar. And then mm -hmm. his name came up at the bottom. I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was cool to see him for sure. 
So what do you say we move on to some chunk mail? Yes, let's do it. This is the chunk mail dispenser, so I'll be reading a lot of it. Uh, if you'd like to email the show and get your email read on a future episode of the Spawn Chunks, possibly even a future chunk mail dispenser, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. As usual, keep them short, keep them sweet, keep them on topic, and we'd be happy to hear your thoughts about what you think is coming next for Minecraft or what you've been doing in Minecraft lately. The first email comes in from Bilbo Stomper, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord, and the subject is Hammers and Sand. Hi Joel and Johnny, I've really enjoyed the last few episodes where you discussed the lack of hammers and renewable sand in Minecraft. Isn't the simple solution just to combine the two? Have a hammer that gives you gravel if you use it to break cobblestone, and gives you sand if you use it to break gravel. You could craft it using, say, six iron ingots and one stick. It would be fairly slow to attack with, and you could maybe also throw it like a trident? What do you guys think? Bilbo Stomper was ironed by a golem. Really clever sign-off line. I like that one. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, my first thought is, I'm pretty sure that hammer recipe exists in modded Minecraft. And I know I've done a lot of um, automated stuff in uh, Sky Factory that uses hammers and like automated hammer machines, effectively, to break cobblestone down into gravel and then into sand and i think from sand into like dust or something like that so there is this idea has been floating around the community for a little while uh the one angle of this i hadn't considered is the use of the hammer as a weapon so i kind of like that a lot Uh, the, the thor's hammer angle and while obviously a lot of those ideas are applied to the trident um i do wonder if maybe a future combat update could expand Minecraft's combat out into more physical damage types, like blunt force, slashing, and piercing, kind of like in Dungeons & Dragons, where some enemies are resistant to slashing damage, but piercing damage works better for them because they've got thick armor, you know? Um, Or maybe that's getting a bit too granular for Minecraft and is difficult to convey in an intuitive way instead of just being a bunch of statistics that you read off, but... I do kind of like the idea that you could have a hammer that while you could throw it, it would still feel significantly different from throwing a trident at something, right? Well, and I think too that you could have it have like extra knockback. Like if you get hit by a hammer being thrown, you expect that to knock you a good distance. Oh, yeah. yeah, It it could have an enchantment that could push it farther, you know? It'd be like Uh, a goat ram kind of level of knockback. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like the idea of any kind of enchantment. Um, What's the one on tridents that allows it to return to you? Um, uh, loyalty loyalty so you could have a loyalty being applied to a hammer i mean like then you really are leaning into the thor thing but why yeah. not like who doesn't want to <laughs> throw a hammer have it hit a zombie make a like frying pan wang you know when it hits them and yeah. then comes back to your hand and then you just sell you yell assemble and then you run yeah. at them with, with different, <laughs> and then different... you blow a goat horn and like <laughs> you know like truly living your best viking life at that point i think like b- yeah. build a long house get a goat horn wield a hammer i feel yeah. like that's that's how it goes right all the memes the thx horn like everything just combine <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. into one one giant battle in minecraft mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's a good idea to have have that kind of a thing uh, i like the idea of a physical hammer for all kinds of different things in the game um for this particular use though for creating sand i know that if they did that then players would definitely cry for some way to automate it mm-hmm. and the only way i can think of in this particular situation would be to you know maybe you could get the zombie to pick up a hammer and have it near a villager where it always wants to hit the villager but you've got it too far away from the villager 
and you've got pistons constantly pushing gravel in front of the zombie so it's always making sand out of gravel even though it thinks it's hitting a villager (laughs) like the rube goldberg stuff we've talked about before where like it would be great to have you know this kind of a thing and i thought well then that still means that you have to figure out how to get gravel into this thing which means it has to be manually placed and then i remembered that uh bilbo stumper said that cobblestone would also be smashed into gravel so really we can make cobblestone with a cobblestone generator so you could have this assembly line of zombies enslaved with hammers creating gravel out of cobble and then sand out of gravel and then then you've got your sand and i mean that's a lot of work but it's renewable sand. I think it's worth a lot of work, you know? There's there's a game I played a while ago called Graveyard Keeper, which uh, effectively allows you to use zombies for automation. <laughs> and that sounds a lot <laughs> like, quite similar to this idea. Um, I think my main pushback on this idea as a way to get renewable sand, give or take the, the concept that you threw out there with, with having zombies help you with it, I feel like having just like a player be able to break down blocks with a hammer it feels like something that could have been implemented ages ago um yeah. and and it already has been via mods but the same goes for like the other solution of husks dropping sand right if like if they could have dropped sand this whole time why weren't they doing it as far back as 1.10 and i think one of the reasons i really like the new renewable clay mechanics which is really sort of my benchmark for making old blocks renewable is that they rely on mud, which is a new block, it's got its own set of characteristics, and turning it into clay is sort of like just one of many things you can do with it. And it also relies on pointed dripstone. So it builds upon several newer features which give them more depth and more valuable like aspects to the player instead of feeling just like a, a shortcut, right? Because just use hammer on block to get different block doesn't feel like all that new of a system whereas i think Mm -hmm. having mud and having blocks dry out and age and that kind of stuff feels like new school minecraft to me and i like that a lot better for the 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 ongoing development of the game um not to mention going back to some issues we've been discussing previously about inventory and hotbar management the hammer would be yet another tool to carry around with you and it might be as circumstantial as something like shears right where you're not carrying them all the time you just got one like stashed away in a shulker box or an ender chest or whatever but i do feel like if you wanted to do a lot of that kind of stuff and you were carrying it with you i carry a hoe quite frequently now because i'm always chopping leaves or, or getting other bits and pieces and i think it's just another thing to add into the ongoing list of non-stackable items that are taking up space in your inventory yeah that's fair uh one thing i i could think of as a use for a hammer which was not combat would be um something that you mentioned i believe it was about uh terraria yeah yeah terraria's hammer week before anyway and it it changes the block into its various different versions and i was going to say well i don't necessarily think that that would work in minecraft but we've all placed a stair block wrong before uh we've all done the dance to try to get glazed terracotta positioned in the right way having a hammer that you could hit specific blocks with redstone components stairs anything that has multiple ways of facing could be a more efficient way of building and worth, you know, for me going up and down scaffolding and trying to face the right way when I'm building these upside down parts of roofs would be really nice to be able to place a stair and go, crap, that's the wrong way. And then hit it with a hammer and just flip it a couple times and go like, oh, there we go. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And I think um, people that do redstone in tight spaces could probably benefit from a hammer that might turn a repeater, you know, 90 degrees every time you hit it. That kind of stuff, I think, could be a really unique way of, of bringing in a new tool to the game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely potential for it. It's just finding the the right combination of old and new. I think so. Uh, kudos for the renewable sand suggestion, though. I always like when we get those. Next email comes in from Jeff G, community miner in the community, working on railroads. In my opinion, we are way overdue for a Rails update. I have a sprawling settlement on a private hardcore survival server that dates back to 2011. My area has grown to a loose confederation of about 30 settlements, some NPC villages and other purpose built. I've never been an Elytra user, so overland travel is the norm. The first project was to connect the towns by roads, but the past five years or so, the focus has shifted to rails, tunnels, and I've developed a good iron farm and have access to more gold to support that. Mining the tunnel ends up creating resources for the rails in many cases. At the moment, you can ride the rails for about 40 minutes, maybe approaching an hour using unique routes. On Spur, the system is 8,000 blocks. I think it's time for a rails and trails update. Perhaps Mojang could offer some new rail cars that could be linked together or a lantern that attaches to a new coal engine maybe something that could be a sleeper car, new mechanisms that would encourage players to travel more without Elytra and rockets, maybe a conductor villager or a wandering trader hobo, maybe even a pillager train robber. What are your thoughts? Jeff Forthian died when the light at the end of the tunnel turned out to be the oncoming Creeper Express. <laughs> How would a sleeper car work? That's the one detail that I'm pulling out of this right now that I'm like, is that like a bed where you sleep for the night and it's suddenly daytime, except you put a bed in a minecart and then you you sleep and it just you automatically teleport to your destination? Because <laughs> I feel like that's that's an interesting concept, but one that really needs unpacking. Yeah, I don't know about the sleeper car. I guess that's a, a way of. I think it's a way of like AFKing. Like it sounds to me like like Jeff wants to get the player to go and use the train in a safe way where you can like go get a cup of coffee while you're traveling around your rail system. I, I mean, obviously they know a lot about model railroads and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's pretty clear. There's, there's a lot of thought has been put into these designs and um, yeah, like I, I think minecart speed is probably the main thing that I would want to, um, to, to improve. Like I, I think historically speaking, minecart speed has probably been dictated by the game's chunk loading capabilities right like as far back as you know minecarts implemented around 2011 ish you you imagine that the game isn't capable of loading chunks especially fast whether that's hardware concerns at the time or if it's just the way the game is programmed and, and how it renders stuff um so i'm wondering if the speed was limited because players could ride rails faster than the game could load or render terrain and if so, we're due for a speed update, <laughs> purely because the game now performs better and hardware has moved forward, and we have Elytra, which are much faster than minecarts, but one of the emphasis in a recent update from the technical side was making sure that chunk loading was prioritized so that players could fly at larger, like, higher speeds and not worry about there just being nothing to fly into, like flying directly into the side of a mountain you couldn't see. So, like, I, I think something to do with either increasing the speed of minecarts or having more controllable speeds for minecarts is probably top of my list in terms of stuff that we want to do with minecarts. I think players would welcome a minecart update. Uh, I know that Mojang would have to be pretty careful to be mostly additive as opposed to changing the way that they work too much because I think that they're relied on specifically rails and a lot of technical play. And I know that's not the majority of the community, but 
I know that they are, you know, I say a vocal minority when it comes to changes like that. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of like a quote unquote programmable minecart station block. Maybe that becomes a profession block for a conductor, uh, a block that would maybe load or unload specific items from a Minecraft or a minecart chest. Or maybe that's done by existing mechanics because, you know, rather than taking cool redstone contraptions and condensing them down into like a, a, a shortcut block, like you were mentioning, uh, what if that particular block just allows you to start and stop the, you know, the coal engine that Jeff mentioned in the email, um, that to me opens up all kinds of ideas. I don't know how complicated the system would need to be, but like, it would be really cool if you could bring a minecart in, have it stop, have it unload, and then have it continue on. I know we can do that now, but it's a really kind of convoluted way of doing it with redstone. And I'm wondering if there might be a way to have even like a destination, like tell this particular minecart train to travel between station A and station B. It's mm -hmm. one of the coolest things about Satisfactory is the train system that you can implement when you play that game. And it's obviously very complicated compared to what I would imagine would be implemented in Minecraft. But I really like that idea of making trains fun to play with. Because if they're not practical for transport, like we've got waterways that will move items faster. We've got elytra that will move the player faster. But you have to make them fun. And right now, they're quirky. <laughs> and I yeah. don't know how much of that is fun. Yeah. Um, you can do some fun things with them. But I feel like people use them more for aesthetics and stuff like that than they do for any kind of real practical things. Unless you're collecting items at the bottom of a redstone farm that in the nether where you can't use uh, water to do so. So I don't know. I, I like the idea of a rail update. Um, for me, the one thing that I would like to see changed, I think, would probably be... I think it would be like that that reliable engine minecart, whatever that mm -hmm. looks like. Coal engine, something that you could ride on or something that could be, you know, used to consistently pull a number of minecarts from one place to the other. Because that opens up both practical early game as well as aesthetic late game. If you just want to have like, you know, you're making a, a, a city and you just want to have a train moving around just because it looks cool. You know, um, yeah. I think that could be could be worth looking into. Yeah, I mean, just being able to send a bunch of minecarts down the line and not having that thought in the back of your head of like, as soon as these collide, they're sending one of them back in the opposite direction, right? Mm -hmm. Like as soon as yeah. as soon as you get three chest minecarts going on one line, you're going to end up with chaos at the other end once they reach their destination, unless they're maybe you know broken and and you can there there are minor changes that have happened to minecarts recently, like the fact that you can break them and they like drop as a minecart chest instead of like dropping into their component parts which can potentially automate things a bit better but we do still need finer control over some of the stuff about minecarts i think and finer control over minecart speed could also bring a lot more control over automation like one of my frustrations with designing auto furnaces and stuff recently is making sure that a hopper minecart travels underneath the chest for the right amount of time to pick up x amount of blocks without it either not having enough to fill up the furnaces or having too much and then overloading one set of furnaces before it's got to the other ones um so i wonder if that's something that's feasible or does it maybe cheapen the effort the technical community has put into fine-tuning stuff like this yeah. again like whether they'd be happier having more control because it meant more stuff was possible or they'd be disappointed that a lot of their clever workarounds to stuff was made obsolete 
But then I think back to the addition of something like The Observer, right, where it produces a one-tick pulse, which is something that players could do before with monostable circuits, but is that necessarily a bad thing to have that compacted into the space of a block, especially a block that allows us to use block update detection, and there's a few extra aspects to it that really make it more useful to the tech community than it was destructive. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's an implementation of minecarts out there. I'm sure there are mods out there that do stuff like this that would allow you to have that fine level of control over what minecarts can do. What's next in the inbox? Uh, this one comes in from Mechmorphic, uh, and the subject is more mini-bosses. Hi, Joel and Pix. After playing Minecraft Dungeons, I feel that Minecraft needs more mini-bosses. After listening to episode 205, I was struck with inspiration, as you mentioned a possible forest biome variant that could be a spooky dark oak forest. What if this was a spider-heavy biome? Spiders could spawn more frequently, and there could be cobwebs in the trees. For a mini-boss, there could be a giant hollow tree stump, or caves very close to the surface, maybe as a generated structure, that a giant spider mini-boss could nest in. Thanks for the inspiration you both provided me with for the past three years. McMorphic got lost in a spooky dark oak forest and was never seen again. I guess that's where he was for the first year of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we did just celebrate our fourth birthday, but uh, I don't know. There's, there's, there's three consecutive years of content in there. I don't know. Oh, yeah. it, it, it adds up one way or another. I kid, I kid. Uh, I'm biased, <laughs> as this is something I think I said in the last few episodes about like adding additional ambiance to the dark oak forests. Uh, the lone and rare woodland mansion, in my humble opinion, is not all that exciting, and it looks large and boxy and OG Minecraft and feels kind of plunked down in the landscape. So anything that you can do to add you know, more interesting things into a dark oak forest to make it feel more spooky, I think, is, is A-OK -okay with me. Um, I like the idea of a hollow stump that either has this spider nest in it or maybe marks a nearby nest in the same way that an azalea tree is a marker for a lush cave biome. Maybe just seeing one of these stumps means that, oh, if you dig around here, you might find one of these like nesting spider mini bosses, whatever they happen to look like. Um, the arachnophobes in our audience are just like, oh, heck nope <laughs> already. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in order for a spider mini boss to feel threatening and work the way that Mechmorphic um, is thinking, they probably would have to add a little bit more articulation to the legs. If you just give me a bigger version of the wobbly pancake spider that we have now, I'm not going to really be all that concerned. Mm -hmm. um, I think you kind of have to lean into the creepy factor of spiders. There's a reason why spiders are in, in every MMO <laughs> as like your base level, you know, combatant because they're creepy and skittery and they, they put the player on their heels and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like what, what does that, combat look like does it shoot webs like the spiders in minecraft dungeons what would be the reward for that encounter um some sort of new item maybe something sticky maybe something useful like i can think of all kinds of reasons to have a spider mini boss uh maybe it's a new way uh to get spider silk that can be woven into horizontal banners or mm -hmm. spider poison that adds uh something to arrows that can make them either sticky or maybe stick a foe in place like how much Nicer would it be if you've got a creeper coming towards you and you shoot it with a bow and arrow and it doesn't die right away, but you've stuck it in place. Like you've managed to allow yourself the time you need to back up and get away. Um, that could be useful with skeletons too. Um, and, you know, if we want to get into what they've been doing lately with the loot in Minecraft with echo crystals and with amethyst crystals, like maybe spider mini, mini bosses just guard some new kind of crystal. You know, like maybe it's just something, an, an entire new 
we'll call it tree of items in the game that are being guarded by various boss or boss-like encounters in the world i'd be down for that yeah it could be really interesting uh a couple of other ideas are popping up in our live show chat including renewable spider webs the idea that maybe a spider mini boss would throw actual cobwebs at you that could land like with gravity the way sand blocks can be launched using mm-hmm. slime block launches or whatever but then that would be a renewable way of getting cobwebs or i guess you could farm string that way but more actively using shears or a sword right like you could do some some fun stuff like that with it um i think a while back i played a mod that installed spider spawners under cobwebby dark oak trees it might have been in the harmony mod pack i'm trying to think if it was something like um like in biome bundle maybe that they got added as a generated structure or something like that but um i think i think it was possible to have yeah spider spawners under cobwebby dark oak trees again this this idea has been played around with a little bit before and i like the idea of there being new spider varieties whether they're mini bosses or otherwise because we already have you know spider spawners that you find in dungeons cave spider spawners in abandoned mine shafts and spiders spawning naturally in a range of biomes so i don't know if it just being another place that spiders spawn more frequently is necessarily a desirable feature for players but i like the mini boss idea and i also like the hollow tree stump idea they're a fun idea for a generated structure having built a couple of them in other minecraft worlds i think they stand out really nicely it depends whether or not you then go the extra mile and think well there needs to be a giant tree to go along with the fact that the tree stump is this big because your natural minecraft tree stump is only ever going to be a two by two so it's not really that big but yeah I, I'm, I'm curious to see where that idea could go um and i think mini bosses in general are an interesting concept within minecraft we have stuff like elder guardians i guess the warden maybe if you consider it a boss at all um there's there's ideas out there for uh for, for there being expansion to that and the last thing about this idea for me is that it gives more use to bane of arthropods which is another enchantment that people tend to avoid more generally because it doesn't have enough uses it's just spiders and silverfish really that are affected by it and i think bees technically count although nobody's really attacking bees that way yeah i agree i think it's a a neat idea and i'd like to see um even built on our conversation about more animations coming to minecraft spiders don't do the one thing that you expect spiders to do in minecraft which is dangle from the ceiling by a thread Mm -hmm. right like you kind of it would be neat to kind of have that aesthetic especially in a dark oak forest that has like a roof to it almost solid because of how many leaves overlap it would be kind of neat to have to look up all the time (laughs) yeah you know, and i say and we, i say neat maybe not maybe not the best use of that word <laughs> not if you're an arachnophobe at least and yeah. uh that we've proven that they they do at least have the capability of having mobs walk on the ceiling because in the april fools update the one block at a time update you could pick up a pig and it would be held upside down in your hands but then if you walked near like a block with the pig uh if a block was close enough to your head you could actually start walking on the ceiling as a kind of like simpsons easter egg spider pig reference but also like it was a kind of a neat way of getting around cave systems it got a little bit weird and difficult to control as a player but if you imagine mobs walking around that way it's a decent prototype for that for sure last email comes in from carolina netherrack as a building block question mark Hi, Joel and Pix. I'm pretty new to Minecraft, and I love listening to the podcast while I work on my single-player world. I just came back from the nether, my pockets full of netherrack, and I started wondering if there's any type of build netherrack could work in, since, in my opinion, it's kind of a weird-looking block. Such a loud texture. Have you ever built anything using netherrack, or do you use it for something else? 
does everyone just keep stacks upon stacks of netherrack in their basement like I do? Carolina drowned in netherrack while trying to organize her storage basement. That is a gross way to go. <laughs> yeah, not not yeah. my preferred way to go. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I use netherrack for building all that much. And I typically find myself keeping stacks of netherrack for use in storage system item filters more than anything else and occasionally i'll use it as scaffolding if i just want like an easy pillaring block that i don't care that much if some of it gets wasted but it is definitely a block i rarely use and it's much nicer looking than it used to be if you roll back to the programmer art texture pack if you've been playing minecraft since 114 when they updated the texture of netherrack uh, it's definitely a lot nicer looking now, a lot easier on the eyes, but it's still so recognizable as netherrack because you're so used to seeing it absolutely everywhere in the nether that when you're building with it, it's quite difficult to disguise it as anything else, I find. Have you found that? Do you ever use netherrack in your builds? I don't. Most of my uses are for uh, scaffolding, specifically in Southport, the modern city build, given the scale of the skyscrapers and stuff. Uh, you just need a lot of blocks and you don't want your scaffolding to take forever to take down. So with netherrack, netherrack being so easy to break, uh, it becomes an easy scaffolding to remove. Now, this was all done before scaffolding, the bamboo scaffolding was entered into the game. I would still argue that netherrack has a better horizontal scaffolding. Mm -hmm, so yeah. if I if I return to Southport or when I return to Southport, you're probably going to see me using both. You're going to be seeing vertical scaffolding of the bamboo type and then horizontal scaffolding of the netherrack type because I want my scaffolding to look uglier, I guess. Um, with with the netherrack, it's good for like laying out wireframes, uh, you know, anything that you're going to need a lot of that you need to remove quickly. I find that that's pretty good in that way. Um, thank your lucky stars, Carolina, that you're not playing on Minecraft pre the texture update because you think netherrack is ugly now. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the original netherrack. It was actually really hard on the eyes to be in the nether, I found. Um, one thing that I, I can think of for using netherrack for, though, is that on the off chance you don't have a lot of dirt or stone or what you do have is like all grass and you don't want to necessarily use it for fill, you can use netherrack to fill in gaps. Um, I know that I keep a lot of netherrack in our nether hub on the server and that it helps players fill in chunks of caverns that end up like spawning piglin or noisy zombie piglin that you don't want near your builds or causing odd noises uh, or ghasts spawning and driving you crazy where you can't see them that kind of thing uh, you can also use it to give your nether roads like a couple blocks of thickness so that as you go and decorate them you're not just poking through a single block platform that could lead to an inconvenient drop or worse and so you can kind of use netherrack to just like triple layer everything. It doesn't take very long to place. You've already got a ton of it for digging in your tunnels. And I find that that helps a lot too. Um, Serenit in our live chat mentioned that if you don't know, you can smelt it and it turns into nether bricks, which then you can turn into nether brick blocks. So that's useful. You have to have the fuel, but it doesn't take a lot of fuel. It, it smelts like most things. It's like one coal um, piece will smelt eight netherrack pieces, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you won't need uh, a lot of it, but it's meant, I think, originally to look like guts lining the wall of the nether. That's how yeah. I interpret it anyway. It's kind of got like so, a fleshy vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you could use it as meat in some situations, like, you know, a, a, in a butcher shop or uh, I've seen it used in medieval builds over campsites where they've got like a bit of nether rack kind of like roasting over a, an open campfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you use your imagination, though, this could get gross really quick. 
Like it depends on how much you like horror, but you could make some very grotesque looking scenes with enough redstone dust and, and netherrack. Uh, quartz or in netherrack looks like a few rib bones, uh, which is also kind of gross, but you know, yeah. it depends on what you're going for. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'll note is a viewer suggestion on Twitch this past weekend or the weekend before is that netherrack actually goes really well with mangrove wood. The colors match almost identically. They're drastically different texture patterns. Uh, so you might not be able to intermingle them in uh, texture depending on your use case, but you could use them in layers. Like if you had mangrove wood in front of a netherrack background or something like that, you could make it look like this wall of netherrack is being held up by something that's maybe harder, but made of the same material. And because you've got stairs and slabs and you've got um, trap doors and stripped mangrove wood, like you can get all kinds of really cool things going. Uh, add in the, your favorite contrasty block, you know, to make that not all red. And you can end up with some really interesting looking texture. I feel like netherrack is one of those textures where you want to put it like behind stuff and then have things in front of it where the first time you build with it, it's going to look like, wow, that's a nine by 12 wall of netherrack. That's really not great. But once you start putting pillars and bushes and stuff in front of it, it might end up melting into the background. Pardon the pun. Yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of stuff in real world architecture that is bright red <laughs> that hasn't been like painted or something like that, where like more modern things like concrete or terracotta might look better. But I feel like it's an interesting design challenge, if nothing else. And I haven't tried using stuff like glow lichen or skulk laid over netherrack because you don't naturally find either of those in the nether. So maybe that's something worth trying as well to kind of overlay the texture and vary things up a little bit. Um, I guess a tried and true approach for building with nether materials is also to use them to decorate your portal because like a lot of people like to do this as though the nether terrain is spilling out into the overworld and that's even prompted by the way ruined portals generate in in Minecraft now so it would be really interesting to to see you know an expansion on that idea and there's a lot you can do with that creatively besides that um nylium can be spread to spare blocks of netherrack so if you want to landscape an area with unusual colors or grow lots of warped and crimson foliage i think it's worth keeping a decent amount of netherrack around for applications like that i think false symmetry on a previous season of hermitcraft did an entire biome that was basically warped nylium and it was like an alien landscape right and you can mix that in with a a variety of other materials here and there as well might work quite well with some of the skulk blocks now since they have the cyan color in common i think there's uh, a little bit of mileage there for you to uh, get creative and and do what you want with netherrack i think but with that said, I think we're probably going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks there. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live as it is recorded in Discord each week, and you can also get in on our monthly Minecraft audio hangout which usually happens on the last saturday of the month uh, we're currently at 344 patrons which is holding steady from last week and special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and where they can go to listen to it that includes itunes spotify google podcasts and youtube you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the rss feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com and the patron only 
feed is on the Patreon page, and that's where you can attach it to your favorite RSS reader and listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlrefs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixlrefs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide and Empire's SMP. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixlrefs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment at thecitadelcafe.com. This week, we're going to be talking about The Sandman, Prey, and Uncharted. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and, of course, Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream from The Citadel three days a week. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, so the minecarts could go a little faster. <laughs>